Ron and Anian. When you repair cars all week long, this is actually the calm day. And, you know, Monday through Friday, you're... And the end of the day, and it's 5 o'clock and you're done. And you say, wow, look at all those cars we fixed. How do we manage to do that? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. The Car Doctor. And you take a used one, put it in, and reprogram it. You should be able to, either that, or you may be able to match something up by the part number from yours to the same VIN and same application. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. You know, if we were sitting in the kitchen at the house, having a cup of tea, talking about the events of the week on Friday night, you and I, the story would probably start out like this. It was a rough week at the shop. It was something, just a lot of symbols and patterns and just, it just continued to evolve and go on. Auto repair is just a, a, a big changing force. And I would tell my wife that it's really interesting to note in every car that I looked at this week that was towed in, broken down, or a major repair unexpectedly was a car that wasn't maintained. Hi, I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor, and we're going to talk about that this hour. 855-560-9900 is the phone number for those of you just tuning in, those of you that are new, and we want to thank you for making the conscious choice because this radio show is about you. It's not really about me. I just sit here and ramble off the top of my head and kind of talk about, you know, the, the incessant ravings of a lunatic. Sometimes I think that line from Young Frankenstein works that, uh, you know, I'm here talking to you about cars, what I experienced during the week, and, and, and trying to make sense out of it and put the pieces together. But as I so often tell my wife, it's people aren't ready to take care of a car, and I, I see it all the time. And it's, it's the things that make no sense. We had a car in the shop. We had a Honda in the shop back in November. First time in, oil change. And when I got in the car, the first thought I had was I said, this car cranks funny. The starter's not right. There's something going on with this Honda. And I said that to the owner. I said, you know, I said, listen, um, this is our first date, and it's it's here for an oil change, but I said, there's something wrong with the starter. You can hear it. It doesn't crank right. And he didn't really know how to accept that. I guess maybe he wasn't ready for somebody to make an off-the-cuff remark, maybe because somebody else made the off-the-cuff remark at, at the last repair shop, maybe because you guys have all been burned by too many bad mechanics, and I understand that. I really do. But he ignored the warning. Well, up until Thursday this past week, for the previous three months, it was really touch and go, trying to get it to start. But he couldn't make the connection. He didn't understand what a bad starter sounded like. And that's that's the fault of this industry, that we don't explain things, I think, properly. How many times I sit and I ask people, did it do this, did it do that? What did the mechanics say? And they just look at me like deer in the headlights. They, they don't acknowledge anything. And Mike said to me, 
when he talked to me on Thursday that, yeah, the starter finally died. It had been giving him some problems, and now it's time to put a starter in it. He was going to call for towing and, and get it towed in. Well, Friday, this was Thursday night late, Friday he called. Towing showed up, and they would only tow him locally. They wouldn't tow him. He was about uh, 12 miles away. They would only take him locally three miles, which put him at the dealer on a Friday. And and, and the problem is that, and I know the dealer it went to, he probably won't have the car back until after the 4th of July as an educated guest because I know how busy that dealership is and it's difficult for them to deal with tow-ins. And I couldn't help but think, here is a car and a situation that's going to be made worse because someone didn't maintain it. All they had to do was say, gee, look at the starter. Better yet, it was November. It's now June. Where are we? We're seven months. No oil change is going to go seven months. Where'd the car go for the last oil change? And if the car went there for that last oil change, why are they calling us to tell us when it broke down that they need a starter? Oil changes aren't a matter of convenience. Oil changes are a matter of maintenance. They are done on a timely basis to ensure that an intelligent mechanic, someone that is concerned about the well-being of the vehicle, is looking at it. And I realize some of these terms, and right about now is where Sue would roll her eyes at me and say, come on, Ron, you're, you're too dramatic. And I'd say, no, you know, if you're going to do this job, do it right. That's what this is about. And if you're not going to do this job right, then get the hell out of my industry. You're stinking it up. Because there are good guys out there. There are guys out there, dealership, independent, chain store alike. You just have to find them that want to fix cars properly. They do exist. Another vehicle got, was towed in this week, and we had called for brake work on it back in October. Now, it sat all winter. They went from North Jersey down to Florida for the, for the winter, and the vehicle sat until about the end of March is the way we heard the story, and then they came back and they started driving it again. And two and a half months later, they were planning to leave for vacation on the weekend, this very weekend. Well, three days ago, the phone rang, and the brakes were making this funny noise, this 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 grinding, whooshing, not doing their thing right noise. And you have to drop what you're doing. You've got to get my car in. I need my brakes, and you got to do it now. Let me tell you how this works, all right? If you're doing it right, you've got a relationship with your mechanic. It's somebody, you know, and I'm not looking for you to put his kids through college, but it's somebody that if they care enough about you at whatever level you're at, dealership, independent, chain store, don't care. They know who you are. You're not a number. Because there's two types of auto repair in my eyes. There's we know you by name or now serving number 22. That's it. That's what auto repair is. It's personal and we really care or you're another piece of meat on the counter at, at, at the deli stand. And, and, and that's really where it's got to be. Now, there is no such thing as an automotive emergency, all right? There's only unplanned maintenance that somebody did not want to do or be concerned with. And I'll tell you why this is so important. And this is where Sue would start to pick up her ears a little bit. We're, we're heading into Fourth of July weekend, and I saw the numbers from AAA. AAA expects, if I read the report right, 
over 380,000 breakdowns. That was the number I saw. Fourth of July weekend nationwide because of the number of people that are going to be out on the road. It was it was crazy. So as we head into Fourth of July and the, the 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 meat and potatoes, if I if you will, of the summer driving season, do yourself a favor, do me a favor, do the car a favor, get it checked out. Come on, stop putting it off, stop being afraid. All right, make an effort, find a mechanic. Let them look at the car. Let them do a checklist. All right? Let them go through the car and, 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 and look at the brakes, the tires, the fluids. It's pretty easy stuff. Because I guarantee you one thing. It's a machine. And the more you put it off, the more it's going to cost you and the more traffic it's going to create either next weekend or in the weeks ahead during during the summer. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Some thoughts and Things to take to heart, because I'm telling you, we had a half a dozen tow-ins this week, and every car was lack of maintenance. Harry looked at me, and he said, I don't understand why anybody would want to take care of their car, and then they expect miracles when the car drops dead on the road. He said, it doesn't make any sense to me. I said, yep, that's the business. That's, you know, by the same token, the people that were scheduled and getting their maintenance done, everybody's repair bill was predictable. Everybody's repair bill was expected, and... um it's almost like two lifestyles. One wants to live sort of anticipating and expecting, and the other one wants to live in chaos. Do you really want to live in chaos, folks? I don't think so. 855-560-9900. There's more information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. You can find an abundance of links and other websites. TuneIn.com has the affiliate list and also some streaming. You can also get out to iHeart.com, iTunes.com, both podcasting this radio show as well as downloading podcasts direct from cardoctorshow.com. If you need me during the week, it's ron at cardoctorshow.com. And I'll be back right after this to kick the garage doors open. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're on Indian, the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900. By the way, that's the Car Doctor's 24-7 number. You can call that number anytime, day or night, when this radio show is not on the air. We're live Saturday afternoons, Eastern Time, when this show is uh, beginning out of studio. And uh, for those affiliates carrying it later, if you're listening, 855-560-9900. You can call, leave a message. There's a 24-7 messaging service there. And Fast Harry, my executive producer, will hook you up and get you into queue for the following week as we bring your question to air for everyone's benefit. And by the way, last name, A-N-A-N-I-A-N. I've been asked lately to spell that, Ron Ananian. For those of you looking for us out on Facebook, the Ron Ananian, the Car Doctor Facebook page. Let's get over to the garage doors, kick them open, and welcome from Maui, Hawaii, a conversation about 99 Porsche Boxster. Yes, sir, how can I help? Welcome to the Car Doctor. Hi, how you doing, Ron? All right, good. Listen, uh, I have a 99 Porsche box that's got 80,000 miles on it. I'm the original owner, and things been maintained meticulously all throughout. I had my last service, uh, oil change and uh, basic two-year service, and the mechanic said to me, I might have an IMS 
problem. Uh, intermediate shift, intermediate bearing shaft problem. That's correct. Right, yeah. He said he saw some uh, in, uh, signs of a little bit of flaking in the oil that he took out. So I, I looked up IMS bearing and everything else, and I found that Porsche actually uh, had a class action suit against them. Yeah, and, uh, yep. Which I never, I never even knew about. Never heard of it. Oh, big problems. As a matter of fact, the 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 that particular engine. I think it was the. Um, I think that engine family's M ninety six in Porsche uh, yeah. uh, language. William and uh, um, I. I think you know they had several revisions and several changes and different styles. And a, a large part of the problems were that the bearings on the intermediate shafts weren't serviceable or greaseable. Or lubable, uh, lubable, yeah. lubricated. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, uh, but you get the point. So um, the, you know, the yeah, ninety nine has a dual row of bearings, from what I understand, and they're accessible. Yep. But the uh, thing is, apparently, what happens is they don't get enough lubrication yep. during normal operating, and they start to, uh, I guess, disintegrate. Yeah. So uh, now I'm faced with a repair, and I spoke to the mechanic. He said the repair could go. Four thousand dollars just to repair these things. Sure. Can I can I tell you why that doesn't matter? You ready? It's a yeah. in, in case you didn't know, it's a Porsche. Um, so there isn't yeah. there is no price tag. All right. It's um yeah. you know it's a Porsche. It doesn't matter. The question is, is it fixed right? Um, you know, now when they do that, is that going to be the stock repair or is that going to be an aftermarket modification? Because there's a bunch of kits out there to fix this too. I know, and that's what I haven't been able. I'm. I, I, been trying to get in touch with him again. I'm going to go see him Monday and see what he's going to do. And they're also going to do the clutch at the same time, right. which makes sense, I suppose. Uh, but I, I don't know. I've heard they can put ceramic bearings in. I've heard uh, aftermarket uh, direct oil feed kits that will uh, lubricate those things. But that's as a preventative uh, for future uh, yeah. mishaps. Yeah, and the, and the... I'm just wondering if they do the job, will, will it be... Uh, you know, service, or will it be okay after that? You know? Well, and it, it should be. Listen, you know, just in general terms, car companies. Car companies, the engineers in car companies are human beings, and they walk around like you and I, but they have to live within the confines of a corporate structure. And, you know, companies like Roush Engine wouldn't exist if it weren't for corporate confines. Uh, that they place on their engineers. You know, they've got reasons. Those bean counters in the accounting department are saying you can't make the repair like this. You can't build the car like that. You know, we've got to mass produce X number of vehicles, turn a profit, and keep the stockholders happy. The free-thinking engine builder can look at it and say, well, wait a minute now. You know, we've got some limits or some 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 leeway here on the limits, and we can really do what we want. So let's let's design this system. Your question or your concern should really be who's engineered the best repair. Yeah. I got to tell you, if the repair is coming from the guys that engineered the mistake in the first place, I'm a little concerned about that because if they were wrong the first time, you've got to really, you know, tell me you love me before I'll let you, you know, date me again because if you cheated on me once, I don't know, uh, you know, it's um, you only get to hurt me once. So, you know, we've got to kind of look into the future, which is though I'm going the long way around the barn here trying to say this, uh, you know, thank God for the Internet. I would be looking at some of the forums and, you know, there's got to be people out there that have had this experience 
There's a bunch of guys that have dated this particular girl. Uh, let's find out if she's really true. Is she really doing what she's supposed to do? Um, does it hold up? Does it go the mileage? Does it go the distance? And um, I mean, because I would throw the money into it if I thought it would fix it, and right. I, I, I'm not going to run into a catastrophic engine failure, as they term it. Because, I mean, you, you go out to buy a new car, you're going to spend, you know, just any new car, $25,000 right there. Oh, know? sure. If you went out to buy a new Porsche, what would you spend? Oh, forget it. 80? Yeah. yeah, 75, 80 yeah. grand. Uh, you know, and your concern here has to be that if there's metal flake in the oil already, yeah. um, every time you drive that, you're hurting something. You know? That's what, that's what I'm concerned. Yeah. How bad is it? Yeah, and, uh, and, and frankly, if the metal flake is bad enough... An engine builder once told me, when you see metal flakes in the oil and you think it's coming from XYZ, trust me, yeah. the oil doesn't care where it goes. It's it's non-judgmental. Yeah. Oil flows everywhere. There's there's metal shavings throughout that engine. And depending upon how far into this you want to get, do you take it apart, clean it up, and reassemble it? And that's got to be part of this, too. All yeah. right? Um, let, me, let me see if I can help you here real quick, William. Think of it like this. Sure. Do you really love the car? Yeah, I do. I, I still enjoy driving it uh, very much. You know? you know, do you really enjoy it? Does it make you feel good? Is it that moment in the sun, and it takes you back maybe to your sordid youth, and you're just kind of living the wild times again? Whenever you get in the yeah, behind I, the wheel, I love the car. I really yeah. do. And you know what? Fix it. Who cares what it costs? Um, you know, the last time I looked, uh, there's 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 no way to take it with you, and you only go around once. And if you can afford it, then just do it. Uh, you know, because it just makes you happy, makes you giggle. And, um, I just wonder why Porsche never sent out a notice to their owners and said, "Hey, keep your eye on this. You well, know, we've had this problem. You know, come on now. If be you, aware of it. Listen, that's all. if you are a multi-billion-dollar car company and you made a boo-boo, would you a advertise you it and b, and b it, take yeah. responsibility for it? That would that would be like the federal government admitting some of the things they did were wrong, and we know <laughs> we're not going to see that anytime soon. Oh. All right, Ron. All right, sir. Thanks right. very much. You're Ryan. very welcome. I hope I helped you. And uh, happy motoring. Yeah, you know what? Listen, cars—that's what cars are about. Um, it's you got to enjoy them. I uh, and when I come back, I'll tell this story. I had the hot rod out Wednesday night, and the guy in the Ferrari was not happy when I snuck up behind him in the hot rod with the headers open, and um, I think I annoyed him. And I'm thinking maybe that was like William with his Porsche. I hope I don't. I hope I didn't destroy his afternoon too much. But cars are just something that makes us happy if you're really a car person. So, William, enjoy it. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. I'm back right after this. We're on the Indian, the car doctor, 855-560-9900, Ron and Indian, the car doctor, out on Facebook, Anian, A-N-A-N-I-A-N. I think we covered all the bases. Let's get back to the garage doors and get into the bay. Let's go talk to Justin Harrisburg, PA. Justin, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Thanks, Ron, for taking you're my welcome. call. I you're, appreciate it. You're very welcome. What's going on? I have a 2005 VW Jetta that started throwing a P0420 code. Um, I hooked the tool up to it, diagnostics, and uh, gave me the code. It's related to the catalytic converter. If I clear the code out, the code doesn't come back on for sometimes a week, sometimes a month or two. Okay. 
Um, Does your driving pattern change or vary whether it's a week or a month? Are you still are you are you a pretty consistent drive cycle pattern? Very consistent okay. drive cycle. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty much used for a work commute, and that's about it. Right. Um, since then, I've noticed that if the car sits overnight and it rains, I start the car up in the morning to go to work. Chug, chug, I'm chug. I'm having uh, sporadic misfires, and it's throwing the, the P0301 general misfire codes. Right. Um, both on cylinder one, three, and four. Okay. Uh, this is a four cylinder. Cil- this is a, a four cylinder, Justin. Yes, a four cylinder, two point oh liter non turbo motor. All right, all right. Any other di- any other diagnosis? Um, it, like I said, it only misfires when it's cold out. If I leave the car idle, it'll idle rough for about five or ten minutes, and then it's good. Okay. It doesn't uh, doesn't misfire after that once the car's warmed up to uh, operating temperature. This is a spark plug, spark plug wire, and singular coil vehicle? Yeah. Okay. And this has the well, it has air- a coil pack. Right, a coil pack. And and, and this right. has the air pump mounted on top of the coil? Yeah. 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 The secondary air pump. Yeah, great place to put it. So what what's probably going on here is you probably have impending coil failure, which is not uncommon. You know, it, it's got a misfire. Let's Let's talk about that first. The misfire, you know, an engine misses, why? It's not running smooth. And in, in simplest terms, it's going to miss for one of three reasons. Ignition, fuel, mechanical. I, I really doubt this is a mechanical reason, not on an intermittent basis, not related to cold, damp weather. Fuel, possibly, but you'd have to give me a reason and, and support that as to why ignition is the more common denominator. And I'd be willing to bet that if you got a little spray bottle of water, a little anamizer, fush, 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 and very gently misted water in the area of the coil when the engine is running good, and give it four to six minutes to soak in, water does some amazing things, I bet you it'll start to miss. And if that's the case, I'd take the air pump off, which you're probably going to end up having to do anyway. There's... I think it's a six millimeter Allen. There's three Allens on that one, two, three. They come off, disconnect the pump. That slides out. You'll be looking right at the ignition coil. There's a bracket that's a little bit of a pain in the neck to deal with, and you need a long Allen shank to get that back bottom bolt. But you'll be looking right at the top of the coil. Take a look at the coils where the tower comes up, and it runs uh, widthwise across the, you know, width of the car, so to speak. I bet you there's a crack in the coil. And if, if that's okay. the case, it needs a coil assembly. Now, okay. you know, how many miles are on the car? 107,000. Ever do plugs? Uh, I just bought the vehicle less than a year ago. Okay. And I don't have any previous maintenance history on it. All right. So if, if it's you're going to have to do plugs and wires, this is the one where the plugs and the wires are underneath the intake plenum? Right. Right. Pretty simple to do. There's a minimum amount of things that you have to disconnect. You do need, you will need to buy a long Allen set, uh, socket set. The two screws in the back of the upper plenum that fold over are hidden, and they're kind of hard to see. But if you look, they're there. When I do this job, I actually have two Allens. I actually have two long Allens because I have two different sets. I have one with a ball end and one with a straight end. 
But my, my right. point is what I'll do is I'll break all of them loose with the long shank, and then I'll take the ball end, and I will put that on the two that are hidden. When you see this, you'll understand. If this comes down to where you got to change plugs and wires, which I would recommend doing with the coil so you know everything is fresh once you determine the right. coil's bed, I use those two Allens to hold the screws in the manifold. Just the weight of the Allens laying there will keep the screws from falling out because if they fall out, it's going to be a pain in the neck to put back in. All right? That's a good tip. And you've got to be mindful that when you lift the plenum off, you've now got an open area direct. You know, this is like, let's go play with hand grenades over a, a, a crate full of puppies, okay? Um, you, you've got this right. open plenum that if one of those screws falls out, guess where it goes? Right into the motor. Exactly. <laughs> See ya. Right. <laughs> you know, then that's yeah. done. So what I'll do is I'll very gently lift it off. I take a piece of duct tape right across the plenum. Now I'm not worried if something, you know, falls, drops, I've got some security there. The gasket that separates the two is probably good enough to reuse. They're usually rock hard, and they don't change shape. If you want to get one, get one. They're not expensive. And, um, you know, plugs, wires, and uh, a coil pack. Make sure you use a good quality OE-level coil pack. Take a look at some of the plugs from Denso. Their Iridium TTs, if they make it for that car, work really well. Um, I've used them on some of the other Volkswagens. Good part number. Um, just just things to be mindful of. And, and, and that'll resolve the misfire. All right? So that's the misfire side of this, this equation. The catalytic converter fault. Catalytic converter faults happen because there's exhaust coming into the cat. There's an oxygen sensor in the front of the cat. There's an oxygen sensor in the back of the cat. A catalytic converter, by definition of the law, has to reduce emissions 70% or better. All right? So they're looking at oxygen content going into the cat, oxygen content coming out of the cat. The cat has to store oxygen. If the cat doesn't store oxygen, it can't create the proper catalytic reaction and and cause the emission levels to be reduced. So that being said, something is fouling out this cat. It could be the misfire. And it could be once you resolve the misfire and then possibly doing some sort of a fuel system cleaning may bring that cat back to life. But the problem is the cat's now working twice as hard with a miss that's been developing over time. Chances are you may have to put a catalytic converter in this car first. But let's fix the misfire uh, first. All right, Justin? And then we'll then we'll talk after that if the light continues to set. Does that work? That works for me. Okay, but um, you know where to find right. me. Um, you know what's going on. That should give you enough to work on. All, All right. right, thank All right, you kiddo. for taking my call. Right? Oh, you're very welcome. I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't draw this out too long. It's just it's a it's a it, it's a simple procedure that's just got a lot of detail to it. So I just wanted to make sure you got it. If you need me during the week, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. I'll do what I can for you via email. Good. You're Thank very you welcome. Again. Good luck to you, and uh, hi to everybody out there in PA. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this.
Welcome back. Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. If you want to call in and get in on the Car Doctor hotline, that is the 24-7 number. You can call that number, 855-560-9900, anytime, day or night. That number is always active. There's always a messaging service on there when we're not on the air. This radio show is live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. So any other time, if you call and leave a message on 855-560-9900, Fast Harry, our executive producer, will get you in queue and talk to you about your problem up here on air for everyone to hear because that's uh, we want to solve your problem. We want to educate everybody. That's what this radio show is all about. Let's get over to Jesse, our next caller in Chico, California, with some questions about changing trans fluid on a 2013 F-150. Jesse, welcome to the car doctor, sir. Thanks, Ron. I really, really enjoy your show. Thank you. I, I'm just confused on when to do that. Okay. I, uh, I've gotten three different recommendations from the Ford dealer, and then I know my uh, maintenance guy says something totally different. So I just wanted to find out what you would recommend. What do you think? What are some of the recommendations you're hearing? Well, one, it's, it's got 31000 on it now. So, and I have it, the oil changed at the dealer. So the uh, service writer, uh, the last time I was in a couple weeks ago, said, well, we should do the transmission next oil change. Then another uh, guy I talked to, he said, oh, we should do it about 60000 I know my book says something about like 150,000. Right. And I used to have, a, before this one, I had an 06 F-150. And the recommendation on that one, on the transmission, was every 30,000. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm just confused. Okay, let me see if we can unconfuse you here. Um, first of all, this is not normal trans fluid. It is, but it isn't. This is Mercon LV. This is their extended life fluid. It's not cheap, but it's not expensive when you compare it to the price of a new vehicle or transmission. No uh, doubt. You know, the the, the 150,000 mile change your transmission fluid concept yeah. is ridiculous to me. I, I don't understand that for a variety of reasons. Jesse, let's be practical. If this truck has 15,000 miles on it, it's got to be 10, 12 years old. Would you, would, would you, would, would, let's see, if you're doing how many miles a year do you go? 10,000? 15,000? 15. About 15. Okay, so in 10 years, you're going to have 150,000 miles on it. In in 10 years, would you spend three, four grand in today's money to put a transmission in that truck? Or would you go buy a no. new truck? I'd buy a new truck. Right. So, ergo, we now know why the marketing department decided on 150,000 miles change of transfluid. We're going to sell a <laughs> yeah. lot of cars in 10 years. Um, and, and I still believe that with all my heart. I just don't buy that fluids last that way. And I've had conversations with transmission builders, and they tell me point blank. They're still faced with the same problems. It's about heat. It's about contaminant. It's about moisture. It's about all the things that they're all trying to correct with special fluids that don't seem to get corrected to the level that they want. In a perfect world, an engineer can design a fluid that will work, but unfortunately, all the roads are far from perfect. And anyone that's driven on them and sat in traffic or been doing 90 on the freeway trying to avoid getting hit by a truck can relate to that. So the 150000 that's out the door. Okay. First trans fluid change, first fluid change of any kind, I like the 30,000-mile rule, and I'll tell you why, point blank. Okay? Is the truck, okay. Is the truck still under warranty? Yes. All right. How long is the warranty? 
Well, uh, it, it was a, I bought it used with 13,000, and it's a factory certified. So the, the drivetrain goes to 100,000. Okay. So if there's a problem with this, I'd rather catch it early. All right. So if there was something done wrong in the way of assembly, if there's a metal shard in there, if there's something coming apart early in the life of the vehicle, because new doesn't mean good, new means never ever worked. I just like to know early. All right. Okay. I vote for Makes changing. Sense. I vote for changing the trans fluid at thirty. All right. Okay. Or thirty-five, okay. whatever your next scheduled change is. I also vote for changing the transfer case and the differential fluids for the same exact reason. All right. Okay. Differential okay. and driveline fluids, other than transmission, are kind of like the Rodney Dangerfield of the automotive world. They just don't get any respect. And it's a case that those fluids still do an awful critical job in maintaining that truck and keeping it on the road in the straight and narrow. You know, what breaks down seals is contaminant. What creates contaminant is lack of change, moisture. The fluid changes its, its chemical makeup and starts to create failures. So, in a nutshell, the vehicle that's maintained is the vehicle that doesn't have the problem versus the one that is. Jesse, i got to pull over and take a pause. Sit tight, and when we come back, we'll finish this up. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Indian, the car doctor. We've got Jesse on the line from Chico, California. We're going to finish our conversation here. Jesse, are you still there, you and your 2013 F-150? I am, Ron. Thank you. So you're welcome. You know, I would do the first fluid driveline fluid change. Trans, transfer case, both differentials, 30,000 miles. It's a good number. It gives you a baseline to work from. All right. The other rationale is, in your case, okay, the warranty goes up to 100,000 miles, but in a lot of cases... A lot of vehicles have powertrain warranty five years, 60,000 miles. You know, if if you waited until the 60,000-mile mark and you got in at 62,000 because we're all so busy these days, we kind of stretch things to the max in a lot of cases. You know, gee, gee, Jesse, we're sorry, but, you know, we pulled the pan down at 62,000. It could be 60,000 three miles, and guess what? Oops. Gee, there's this big metal thing which isn't supposed to be there. Gee, it's too bad you're out of warranty. If you had gotten in at 59,000 miles, we could have fixed this for you. And how many times has that conversation happened? Uh, yeah. You know, and it's so ounce of prevention, pound of cure. Do it at all. Do them all at 30. All right. Use the proper fluid. And trust me, I'm not tr- I'm not saying this trying to sell a trans service. I've done this transmission. This is the 6R80. You know where the dipstick is for this transmission? Uh, no, because I can't. I don't think right. it has one. Does right. It? The genius has put it down next to the exhaust pipe on the right side, just before the catalytic converter. So you need to get into like a a, a thermal body suit so you don't get fourth degree burns. Uh, you know, when you're trying to check the fluid level with the engine hot, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And the whole rationale of dipstickless transmissions and hard to get to, that's a conversation for another day. Um, let's just suffice it to say, change the trans fluid now. Keep an eye on it. I would tell you at your 55,000-mile oil change, have them pull that dipstick. What color is the fluid? And if the fluid is still pink and rosy, roll the dice. My vote is to change the fluid every 30 to 
every 30 to 35,000 miles, and chances are you won't have to put a transmission in it, and you'll enjoy it for the life of the vehicle. Jesse, I appreciate the call. I'm running Annie in the car, doctor. I got to go. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. See ya.